Okay, I think we're live. Um, hello, and welcome to another installment of Analytica's LinkedIn Live series, where we feature some uh, insights from some of the top minds in the industry. Uh, today, I'm joined by three heavy hitters to discuss a topic that I know is top of mind for all of us, which is marketing budgets and how we can do more with less. Uh, before we dig in and get all of these amazing insights from our panelists, I just would be delighted to introduce our three guests. Uh, first up, I have uh, Gail Daikoku. Uh, Gail is a high-impact uh, corporate connector, culture champion, and creative problem solver on a small but very mighty influencer marketing team uh, that's focused on brand awareness. She's a subject matter expert in everything from procurement and supply chain technologies uh, to retail store operations and CPG merchandising. Uh, and her passions include mentoring and inspiring action to elevate DEIB as a mission-critical business priority. Welcome, Gail. Thank you. Uh, next, next up, I have Amisha Gandhi. Um, Amisha has 20 plus years of working with top brands in the Silicon Valley, including SAP, Google, HP, uh, and was most recently the head of marketing at Tepalti. Um, thank you so much for joining us, Amisha. Happy to be here. Hello. And then last, but certainly not least, uh, we have uh, Sal Viveros, uh, who has over 20 years experience in global communications, marketing, and PR. Uh, who is now uh, leading Avanti's Global Corporate Communications, which is focused on social media, public relations, and analyst relations. Um, and again, his focus is really around building Avanti's brand awareness. So welcome, Sal. Thank you. Excited to have you here. Um, I just quick before we get started, as always, feel free to drop any questions in the chat, and we will do our best to address them um, in this discussion or leave a little bit room at the end um, to just make sure that we answer the things you have uh, for our experts. Um, and I think without further ado, let's dig in. Are you guys ready? All ready. Let's go. Okay. And I know it's end of day for some and very early morning for others. So I appreciate you all taking the time to be on here today. <laughs> um, okay. So first one that I uh, wanted to dig in on. Um, again, let's just call a spade a spade. We're all going through something pretty tough right now. And um, one of the things that we uncovered in our, re our recent B2B research report was that a lack of budget was a top concern for marketers. And we're seeing, feels like every day, there's more news about budgets being cut, um, you know, companies having to restructure, things like that happening. So I'm curious to know, how do you think most marketers are adapting as we shift to this economic slowdown? And, and Sal, I'm gonna throw this first one over to you because I know we've talked about this one a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, again, you know, the, the economy is cyclical, right? So the, we've seen these things happen before. Uh, but what I've seen is the most successful marketers are always looking for smarter ways, new ways, better ways of working. Uh, so and regardless of the downturn, so that they're ready when the downturn happens. From a comms perspective, uh, from the area that, that I deal with, you know, I've been working with adapting to the changing media landscape for probably 10 years. Uh, you know, how we worked 10 years ago and how we work now is very different. And, and part of that. Um, and a more recent addition is really doing a lot more focus on that whole influencer marketing. And again, that's how I, I came to know Analytica, because uh, what we're seeing is some of these industry influencers have more credibility, uh, have more reach than some of the tech trades. So making sure that you start rethinking how you're doing things, who you're working with, uh, making sure that you're working with credible influencers and, and other people, I think is really important. Um, and, I, you know, I'll jump in here. I mean... Everything that uh, Sal said, I think all of us have been doing for a while in our respective roles uh, with the changing landscape, because, you know, truth be told, 
I think this this thing that happened to us a few years ago with COVID really kind of um, drew on all of our talents, our connections, our relationships across our various ecosystems, suppliers, everything, uh, customers to really think down, hunker down, how are we going to make it through this change and keep the lights on in our business? And there were so many things that happened that it was really those relationships that in a large company like SAP, we're, you know, we were all turning on a dime to figure out how we were going to move forward, which was built on the relationships internally and the partnerships we had externally to keep telling our stories, but to, to kind of help each other through this thing none of us have ever been through. What do you think, Amisha? Oh, you're muted, Amisha. It's okay. All right. Well, first mistake. I'll take it. I'll own it. Um, so um, when you're looking at it, right, everyone is this downturn. And so it was a growth at any cost for so long, for so many years. And it's a recession, right? And a lot of folks in the workforce haven't experienced that yet. I think it is those partnerships and the ecosystem that you built you need to rely on it and partners need to come together. And, and part of those are influencers and other partners, uh, business partners in your ecosystem. They think you shouldn't just think about cutting at, at all costs now, right? You should think about where should you take things out, but then double down areas where your ROI is strong. Think about the segments that you serve that will actually thrive in a market like this and other segments where you may wanna deprioritize. So really take a look mm -hmm. at your data also and then take a look at how the market is working and the segments that you do well in and then make those investments and look at your channels, right? This doesn't mean you just cut off all your media budget. You cut off all your other, you know, creative and you only focus on DG. You still have to create that good content. This could be a good way to invest in those areas you do well in. And then when you come, when we're coming out of this, you haven't gone so far back that you have a lot of ground to make up because this is a cycle like Sal said. That's so true, right? So it's a lot of what I'm hearing, which I think most marketers aren't necessarily thinking about as they're like, oh no, this is happening right now. What do I do? Is those relationships, right? And then like you said, Amisha, where do we double down? Where do we, like, what are our most high impact things? And what do we know we can be successful with, right? So it's, 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 a, it's a tough world out there, right? But those things, I think those things that all of you mentioned are super critical to like being successful and, you know, like you said, not falling behind just right. because we're trying to do more with less. Right. Right. Um, okay. So to that point then, Amisha on, you know, figuring out where to focus, um, this is kind of a different, a different question, right? That there's, I don't know if there's a right or a wrong answer to it, but I know there's going to be an opinion on it. Um, so again, uh, a recent report from Optimizely found that Despite these pressures on budgets, um, half of in-house marketing professionals say they're willing to take more risks in 2023. Um, and 63% said they intend to be more creative in 2023, right? So it feels like it, we're in this weird spot where it's like, we have less money, but we want to try things out. So what do you guys think? You know, is now a time to experiment? Is it a time for focus? How do you cut through this noise to figure out where efforts need to be spent? I open this to all of you, whoever wants to go first. I mean, you know, we're all sort of taking a breath because, you know, not just for us where we're at the beginning of the year, but we're like, we're looking at what did we just do? And for, for us here, we did a lot, you know, uh, but, but we're all still coming out of this new world. I don't even really want to say post-COVID, whatever this is that we're evolving into. And we're taking a moment to sort of reassess 
what does impact mean? You know, I think this is what this discussion is all about. And those those bets, uh, you know, you're making them, but you're I think we're thinking about how we're going to do some things similarly, but in the same way. You know, I mean, a lot of what we do, let's use events as an example, is, you know, let's be honest, a bit of FOMO. But when you're doing that, it still has to resonate with those customers, your ecosystem, your partners in such a way that it's not hype. I, I like to say here that if it feels like we're selling, we're doing it wrong, you know, and, and I think we could all um, accept that that's the reality of, of the situation we're in. So we've got to be thoughtful in how we engage and how we think about those discussions we're having, which is at a thought leadership level, not, you know, whatever we're selling and such. So, so we're going to be creative about reassessing what we've been doing, but how we might approach it in a different way, because this is about the conversations we want to have in, in within the customer base, the partners, and even with our employees as we're thinking about it. Right. So almost like not losing sight of the audience. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And sorry, yeah. go ahead, Sal. Oh, I was gonna say, and anytime there's there's a downturn, it's it's the perfect opportunity to experiment. Because again, you you with you learn to be get creative with the little that you have. Um, and so again, you know, what we've seen in, in other times when these cycles hit, you know, you need to be creative, new technologies come along. So again, kind of an, analyzing what's out there, making sure that you're on top of the trends, understand the new technologies. Again, AI is critical, right? So so how can I better leverage AI to minimize the work and then maximize the other areas where I may have holes. So it's just really looking and staying on top of technology. And I think these kinds of times really force you to kind of take a step backwards and really analyze, okay, what, what other tools are available? I'm gonna piggy up back off what Sal said, because you know, when you have less, you have to be more creative. And I'm not surprised that people are gonna, you have to force yourself to be creative. So whether it's like, okay, we we're gonna you know, work with a bunch of analysts and other folks, or go out and work with a really large agency. Now you could work with a bunch of influencers and create an asset that's very similar, but it costs like one third or you know one fourth of what you budget that you really need also for speakers and events. But then when you think about it, right, I'm gonna piggyback on technology. You can use technology to automate and also to drive efficiency, right? So is this, and it's a good time to look at your data and it's a good time to look at your creative. And then that can hopefully drive you to say, okay, we're going to spend money where we know it works, but now if we have less and we need to do an event, what things could we do? And you get creative about it. So I think there'll be a lot of creative campaigns and very creative marketing plays that'll come out of this. And also there's still a lot of money around. Um, it'll be harder to get for funding and, and, and other things. But I think because there are a lot of layoffs, right? And there's all this happening, there will be a lot more startups born out of this. Uh, recession that happens every time. So what what technology to come out? And I'm sure a lot of them will be marketing tech, right? Because that's keeps evolving. So I think that's something that we can look forward to as marketers as well. Yep, yep. And I think based on what you're all saying, that um, saying, and I'm sure I'm going to butcher it. It's true. Like crisis breeds innovation, right? Or tough times breed innovation, and that seems to be the point we're in, where we might be even, you know, at a point where we're doing more, like way more than we were doing before with even less as when it comes to resources. So I think it's, um, I feel like the future is bright, not bleak for marketers, right? And it's a fun time, it's an exciting time uh, to figure out how far we can push ourselves. Um, right. so, so something that you touched on a little bit, I think in the first question, Misha, I'm gonna direct this at you first, because um, I know this is something you're passionate about too. So in this market, 
how are we able to feed the marketing funnel and how can we better position the results of the marketing programs that we're running? So you really have to look at the outcome that you're trying to achieve, right? And really kind of really understand your ICP and know your segments and know, hey, these, whichever industries you're going after, which ones are going to thrive, which ones are going down, which ones are holding back spending, which ones will be spending. Keep an eye on that and look at your ROI to say where, which channels, right? So look at your full funnel, look at your actually not even your funnel, your customer journey right? You don't just want to be bringing in leads. You really want to look at what is driving opportunities for and bookings for your company and what segments are doing that and what, where those people are. Um, you want to show up and say, this is how I can help you, you know, customer in B2B. This is how I can help you survive this recession. So you want very, you want to lean in to that messaging, right? You want to lean into it and say, this is how we'll help you in this time. Right. And, it, and it's a time, it's a cycle. So you have to have that. But then very quickly, you have to say, okay, now in recovery mode, what is, you know, what does it look like to come out of this and grow? Right. So you want to become that voice instead of, you know, becoming negative, you want to become proactive and seen as a partner, but then you want to look at your entire funnel, look at the outcome you're trying to get to and say, how am I going to feed everything in a very creative way? Right. And fail. Like if you try new things, Fail, fail fast, and then readjust. We have to be nimble. We're going to have to adjust things as we go. So just, you know, I would say, you know, if you're more nimble, the better you'll survive. And then you can try things and quickly switch things up. I love that. What, what about the two of you? I know you guys yeah. both have an, a perspective on this as well. Yeah. I mean, again, the, the whole... The, the, the whole marketing funnel area. So we have a growth marketing team that deals with kind of the, the management of that kind of understanding the, the pipeline. Uh, and here at Avanti, we measure everything. So there's a really good view of what marketing is bringing to the overall sales pipeline. Uh, and I've never been in a company where marketing and sales are so aligned. Uh, you know, my previous companies, it's always been kind of two different areas. And I think that really helps. From my area, from corporate communications, I'm really kind of focusing on that top of the funnel, you know, that brand awareness. Uh, and again, making sure that we're creating content that resonates with our customers, resonates with our partners and our prospects is super important. Yeah, and I, I would add to that, you know, I think we're the the role that I'm in and, and here at SAP, uh, we would sort of describe where we sit as everything, you know, all, all across the whole journey. I will say that we're transforming a lot of that, you know, where our team sits now and brand is absolutely where we start to envision those strategies all across the, the way, you know, in terms of how we go to market and stuff. You know, I would say in the past when we were fi figuring out how to really invest in these programs, these relationships, these initiatives, these campaigns we want to support. Uh, you know, sometimes, and this is learning, um, we get a little bit too fixated on the end goal, right? <laughs> which is a little bit too heavy on demand, which is kind of backward, the, the you know, DG part of this, which is a little bit backwards when you think holistically about an in integrated campaign. So I would say I'm so invigorated in the challenges ahead with 2023, you know, it will be, it still is a tough time for all of us, but in some sense, the renewed energy that we feel, feel here at the beginning of the year is such that, you know, we kind of know uh, what we've done. We have the opportunity to do so much more. So it really enables us to be a little bit more creative and really 
you know, try some things out. But and as Amisha said, if you're going to fail, fail fast and move on. Um, but that that those experiments and those opportunities are born from the relationships that we build because uh, an influencer program is not a transactional type of thing. And I think that's, you know, I think we can all agree that's where it's hard. It's really hard to explain this type of work that we do. And it's born out of a lot of organizational knowledge, but ultimately comes down to the engaging types of relationships that work for everybody. You know, it's a partnership um, and, and you, you start slow maybe, or you start small and you, and you evolve it over time, which is, which is how we, or at least how I do it. Yep. Yep. And yep. I, you know, completely agree with you, Gail, that's influencer marketing and just relationship building in general. It's not one of those quick fix, just right. turn it on marketing tactics where all of a sudden you've quadrupled, quadrupled results, right? Like it is one of those things that, that takes nurturing, that takes time to grow. Um, so finding the right places to inject that and doing Absolutely. it the right way is super important. Absolutely. Um, one kind of going along with what all of you were saying, um, and I'm, we didn't we didn't talk about this earlier, so I'm just kind of throwing this at you to see if someone has an answer. Um, but just to that point, do you think that uh, there's a few like one or two simple things that marketers can be doing to better show that business impact? Is it how they're tracking things? Like, just what are those kind of small tweaks they can make to like really open the eyes of their teams to the impact they're having on the overall business? Where do you want to start? <laughs> um, I, think, I think you have somewhere in mind. So, so I'd say yeah. take I mean, Again, I, I think with, with technology now, you can literally track everything. And I, I highly recommend that that every marketing team start tracking everything. So whether it's a social media post, whether it's email, everything have unique tracking. Because once you have the data, then you can go back and look on its impact to pipeline. You can understand and have real data that you could then show to leadership demonstrating the fact that, hey, you know what? It, it is important to do these analyst reports because here we saw, you know, this analyst report drove $10 million worth of business or was, was at least partly involved in that business. And, and having all of that tracking, because again, it's available, uh, really just gives you solid numbers that you can then sell to, to leadership. And, and I think that's critical moving forward. Yeah, if you can show the data on what's really working, right? I keep saying that, like a, you know, yeah. um, and I think it's really important. The other thing is to look at your comp competition, what they're doing. This is a time where, you know, I, I'm seeing things like in PPC and, and keyword search, you know, your competitors are spending less. So things are a little bit cheaper. So where do you need to go and where are they not spending where you could spend and you could recoup at a lower cost some things and drive some efficiencies for your business. But then I also think things like content marketing, right? Content marketing is not super expensive. And so if you don't want to de-invest in that area, you want to really invest, drive that new type of messaging that we talked about and then see what your competitors are doing, right? Um, make sure, you know, if you see where they're cutting, maybe that's where you invest and you start showing up and you can increase your branded search, right? And that becomes more traffic for your website that's organic. And we know those are cheaper than buying those keywords, right? So those are some of the things that you want to think about investing in and doing. Look at the data and know what content really resonates with your segments and then figure out where you're going to actually invest within that. And I, I think on that content piece, there is this danger. And I think we've all seen it. Certainly, Amisha, in our past lives, we, you know what I'm going to say, which is we love content. We love content. But it's the right type of content, which gets back to the, the way we engage, 
with our desired audiences and, and things that we do. So I think there's um, some sanity checking to be done. You know, we can measure everything. You know, we, we sometimes get a little bit too enamored with, wow, there's that reach. I think it comes down to kind of the effectiveness, the, the impact that we want to drive for the business. But, you know, we have to really think about what that is. More is not better. Less tends to be better. And, you know, I think there's, you know, in, in an org this size, it's tough, right? But I think all of us struggle with this because everybody loves content, right? So so it's it's that balancing act that we do together. And, you know, that's where the partnerships come into play. I mean, the influencers know what resonates. And so that's that's where we can learn a bit as well if we're talking about that specific piece. Yeah, I mean, I've, you know, I think Sal and Gail probably agree. I think influencer marketing and influencer based content tends to do well because they will also not, you also get the amplification, but also the content tends to really be uh, relevant and resonate with your audience because Absolutely. they build a very like minded audience, right? Absolutely. They had a lot so, of credibility. I agree. I agree. So going back to content, can we like just dig in a little bit deeper on content for a second? Sure. So, um, let's talk about content types. So CMI's most recent B2B report, CMI Marketing Prof, sorry, their most recent B2B report found that the top four um, tactics, content tactics that marketers were investing in are video, events, owned media assets, and paid media, which coincidentally, or I guess, wasn't always necessarily where they said they had the most impact, right? So there is that element of testing that we were talking about. But what tactics do you think it makes sense to go all in on or does it does it depend right on on your business on the structure I, of your program i'm going to jump in i think that when people do one-off pieces of content that just go out into the ether i don't think that really works i think you know when sal's talking about data and they're tracking everything you can track the customer journey right you can see where people are coming in what are they going next you can figure out what people's intent is if it's high intent or low intent as marketers not just you know by the content journey that you've created so you want to figure out you know if you do a big piece of content for example if you decide to do an ebook or if you just do a paper or you're even doing a very long blog post what else can you put around it is there many videos or a mini podcast that can come out of it is there something that you can put on your campaign page that then becomes a paid blog and then you do paid media right or paid you know paid um social even with your influencers and other voices that you've brought in and it goes to their audience. So then you start getting a little bit more of that connectedness. And so what you're doing is creating that journey for someone, wherever they're coming in. And then you can tie it back to something that's gated or DG focused or, you know, really drive that organic traffic to your website. I mean, this I is feel really like you're, you're, oh, no, you go. <laughs> I was just going to say that, Amisha, I feel like you're speaking my marketing love language um, <laughs> when, you're, when you're describing that, right? Like how everything's connected and works together. Well, and, and ahead, all I was, yeah, all I was going to add was this is really, you know, what we do. It's really having that integrated approach to what are we going to do away from sort of that one off transactional, whatever. It's a body of work, you know, like when you think about influencers or community of influencers based around a specific area or audience we're trying to speak to, it's not a one-off thing. It's how we, we you know, we tell that story across our respective areas because, you know, let's be honest, buyers are smart. They're not buying for this necessarily for this one specific thing. Holistically, how are we going to engage with the business? I mean, again, a little bit of that is how we go to market, but, you know, it's, it's understanding those relevant pieces and thinking about it in an integrated way, not as a one-off thing, because 
that makes it a lot more interesting, exciting. And, and truthfully, this is a partnership to grow together, you know, in, in a very symbiotic kind of way. I like that. Um, so we did just get a question from Patrick Quinn in the chat. And uh, I think this is a good question, especially as you're looking for how, how marketing teams are investing and how to make sure that, that something is usable for your organization. So his question was, you know, how do you strategize to ensure that content is being produced by, that's being produced by outside partners? It's not only evergreen as much as possible, right? Um, or where applicable, but also reusable across different marketing teams. Does anyone have a particular opinion on that one? So, go for it. Um, oh, you want to, okay. Um, no, you have to set the parameters. So when you have that conversation, you know, if you're looking for a certain piece of content, whether it's podcast or blog post or quote, you can say, you know, send me what you think about this topic. This is my goal. This is what I'm trying to do. This is the audience. Like, make sure you give all the background and the reason why you're doing this and what you're looking for. And then ask them also what they think. And if there's anything else they would add, or if it's the right format, what's resonating, because then you'll end up with more. And a lot of times we get a lot of really great content from influencers and then we have to cut it down, but there's other you know pieces of what they've done that you can make longer or shorter and pull out and, and you know, reuse in a variety of ways across different pieces of content. Well, and yeah, this idea of ever, sorry, sorry, Seth. No, go ahead. no, all I was going to say is this idea of evergreen content. I would say that's my favorite type of approach when you think about what it is we're trying to do, because let's say it's about a pain, you know, it's resonating around a pain point that I don't know, a customer may have, you know, well, whatever that piece of content is, or that conversation we're having at a thought leadership level, if we're having a conversation about a pain point, trust me, there's another customer out there or another partner or somebody else who's struggling with that very same thing. And you might be just a tad ahead uh, to have a great conversation. So this is how we engage with it. So I think when we think about types of content, you know, I would say that I think um, a lot of the time it's based around uh, how do we make this timeless in some sense, because these business pain points tend to be the same over time. And, you know, it's technology and how we're selling tends to shape what we say about that specific thing. Yeah, and, and that's exactly what I was going to say is, is, again, if you understand your customer and you understand their customer journey, because, again, you know, if you're if you're looking for new technology, you'll need different information than if you're an existing customer looking to renew. So try to understand you know, where your customers are. Then you can just develop content for each point of the journey and all of it is evergreen because again, those you'll always have customers in those phases. So really thinking through what the business issue is and how you can solve for that, how you can help the customer, then everything you're doing or a lot that you're doing can be used, you know, regularly. Yep, yep, love that. Um, switching gears slightly, Sal, uh, this is a question I really wanna make sure I have you weigh in on because um, I know yeah. this is a lot of what you're spending your time doing. So we've talked, quite a bit about influencer marketing, right? These are our roles that uh, everyone has played a part in. That's, let's be frank, what brought us all together at one point or another. Um, but I'm curious to know, Sal, what you think about um, employee advocacy programs and how those can be utilized to support marketing initiatives when budgets are tight or even when they're not. Yeah, right? yeah. and again, so we're very lucky here at Avanti. So you know, we really pushed our brand advocacy program. We call it our brand ambassador program internally. Uh, we launched it or relaunched it in February. Uh, and in Q4, we had 
74% engagement rate. Um, and I've never been an organization that, that we've been able to manage that. Uh, but what we did is we made sure that, that we are updating regularly. So there's a post at least once a day, sometimes multiple posts, that anyone can choose from the posts that they want to post out there. But we make sure it's consistent and we make sure that it's interesting. Uh, additionally, you need to have success and you need to make sure that it's easy like we make sure we used a, a platform where it's just one button you hit one button and then you choose where you want it to be posted so the work is minimal um we've also tried to get excitement around it so we have regular contests there's leaderboards because again people are competitive and so again being able to to get that you know, I think it was in, in all of last year, we had like $2.1 million worth of ad value from our advocacy program. So it's 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 getting your employees engaged is a huge way to build your brand. And again, it's, it's credible because it's coming from an individual and it's quite different than coming from an owned handle, you know, one of the company handles, because it's individuals that they're already connected with. Uh, and again, making sure it's easy and having consistency really helps the brand overall. I think there's a great quote to frame, you know, what you just spoke about, Sal, which is there's this Peter Drucker quote. It's something like culture is strategy for breakfast. Right. So if we think about holistically, uh, you know, the employee who is the human that's part of building your culture. I think that how you how we think about you empower that culture is very powerful. And I think there's definitely different approaches. And, and you know, probably we could have a whole nother discussion just <laughs> on that piece. So I think that. When we think about organization and how we activate whatever we do as marketers, I think that, you know, the secret and the key is really in that how we're creating these great experiences, this content and empowering our people in such a way that we're not contributing to an echo chamber, but we're really focused on that authentic voice. And I think there's a very fine balance in doing that um, and something that continues to evolve. So. So, you know, that's how I think about stuff like that. And that's where it gets really exciting, especially potentially in a downturn. Yeah, especially either your internal influencers and they have networks as well. And, you know, everyone is so gung ho customer first. You can't be customer first if you're not employee first. Right. So right. You see the brands where the employees are very effusive about their brand. Right. Even if they're not a big brand, they're a startup brand. People see that your customers do research. They'll see that and then it's like, wow, okay, if you're taking care of your employees, then allows them to take care of the customers, right? It's a, it's a cyclical thing. But if everyone is engaged, it helps with things like retention, productivity. It has a lot of great benefits, but also shows off that look at our company. We have all these excited experts. You know, why wouldn't you want to work with us? Absolutely. Yep. Love it. Um, so I am devastated to share that we are at time. I feel like we could just keep talking and talking forever. And everyone would love it because uh, it's a really important conversation. So I just wanted to thank all three of you so much for taking the time today um, and sharing what you know with the rest of the world. Uh, for those of you attending that want to keep the conversation going, uh, please feel free to join our B2B community on Guild. Um, there should be a link in the comments um, or there will be shortly uh, to join that and kind of keep this conversation going. Again, thank you guys so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you. And Thanks so much. Great partner. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.